Well, hello. Welcome back to another episode of the Asking for a Friend podcast. It's an elder-led ministry of Believers Baptist Church in Emory, Texas, and my name is Duffy Henderson, and I'm your host. The Asking for a Friend podcast exists as a weekly resource for the edification and the benefit of God's people. Here we hope to provide helpful, thoughtful, and most importantly, biblical material as we address everyday life questions and issues. So if you find this podcast helpful, please take a few moments to share it with someone that you think would also benefit from it. Thank you for listening in today, and may the Lord bless this episode in particular greatly to you as a means of grace for your spiritual growth and your benefit. Well, we are back with part two of our conversation with Patrick Covington and Jason Rowland. This is uh, the second episode in our discussion on the sovereignty of God and the sovereignty of God specifically in salvation. And so we're going to bypass all the front matter today. We're going to dive right back in. Jason, Patrick, hello. Welcome back for another week. It's the same day of recording, but this is the second week of the episode. Hello, How are hello. you guys doing? Doing great. How are you, Duffy? Doing good, Duffy. This is a, a good topic to talk about, and I'm thankful that we're able to uh, include it in the distinctives discussion for our new members. I am as well, and I'm excited about this portion. So this this segment, um, please listen to the first episode if you haven't already. If you're just coming across the podcast and this is the first one up in the feed for you, you really need to listen to episode number one first to get context for our conversation today. So today we're going to cover specifically the church distinctive statement that we have, the sovereignty of God in salvation. And this deals with some theological categories that you may or may not have heard, like election, um, or unconditional election, the decree of God, uh, foreknowledge, the, the divine foreknowledge uh, from Ephesians chapter 1, and those kinds of things. What about sin? What do we do with sin and the sovereignty of God? Our distinctive covers some of those issues. And so guys, uh, this morning, I, as we're recording, I just want to kind of uh, maybe open it up and let's talk through this distinctive a bit. Uh, Jason, let's start with you. And um, let's, let's, t- let's present a positive case for this doctrine before we answer objections. Okay. What do we mean by sovereignty of God over the salvation of the sinner? What we mean is that God... Um, in his mercy um, and in his grace has sovereignly given to some faith to believe so that he, they would be saved from God's wrath. All sin has to be judged. It's either judged by Christ or you pay for it and it is judged in you personally. So judge, um, judgment has to come upon sin because God is just He's perfectly just. He is sovereignly just. He is wholly just. So sin cannot be swept under the rug. So it has to be dealt with. And so then the fact that sin has to be dealt with and all sinners deserve the wrath of God because of their sin, then the fact that God would sovereignly show mercy to some is the the idea of God... Um, God's sovereignty in salvation. That's yeah. what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. And I think that probably one of the most helpful places, single texts that we could go to in Scripture is really Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 2. Patrick, you mentioned Ephesians chapter 2 on the last episode. But it's explicit in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, really what we're discussing in these two episodes. So listener, if you have a Bible um, and you're curious about this doctrine, 
Um, Ephesians 1 and chapter 2 really are some of the, it's uh, maybe for lack of a better term, the proving ground of this doctrine. It stands or falls. It's explicitly laid out. And so um, Ephesians chapter 1, I know, is is referenced in our uh, church distinctive. But this is discussing um, before the foundations of the world. And we have to deal with what that means. Um, Chosen in him. Uh, to the praise of his glorious grace. Those kinds of things are just majestic for us who, who embrace the doctrine. But maybe for someone who's on the fence with that, um, Patrick, help us a little bit understand what maybe the Ephesians 1 passage is talking about and what Paul is emphasizing uh, in that text. Sure. Um, and before I answer that, I want to circle back just for a second. No problem, no problem. Um, <coughs> you know, the sovereignty of God is definitely um, a contentious doctrine um, in our day and, and has been um, for, for centuries. Um, and it's something that we want to approach uh, with grace and with humility, uh, recognizing that everyone doesn't hold to this doctrine, and it's certainly something that, um, that can rub people the wrong way. So um, on the outset of this episode, just making clear, um, we are not here to... Um, bash your head in with this doctrine or anything like that. But we do believe it, and we do teach it, because we are convicted that it is plainly taught in the pages of Scripture. If that wasn't the case, we wouldn't hold to it. Um, but it is. Um, so, so we do teach it, and we teach it with conviction. Um, so, And the sovereignty of God is really what we're saying in a nutshell. We could say with Jonah that salvation is of the Lord is what it means to hold to the doctrines of grace. Um, Or we could say that um, Jesus is indeed the author and the the finisher of our faith. Yeah, I love that text. Um, That is the reality of what we mean, what we're saying. Um, We're saying that God is the one who saves us. We don't save ourselves. Um, Now, when we get to Ephesians, uh, chapter 1 and chapter 2 is so rich. Um, And Paul is really opening, obviously, the letter um, in the first chapter um, and he, he starts with a praise to God in verse 3. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's praising God here, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And then what does that mean? But verse 4, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. To what? That we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Christ Jesus according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace. So, I mean, right on the outset, uh, uh, on the outset of, of this letter to the Ephesians, Paul is praising God for what he has done in saving the Ephesians. God is to be blessed above all for his blessing us, because he's the one who chose to save us before the foundation of the world. He is the one who has predestined us for adoption. He is predestined to make us his sons, right? He is the one who saved us in that way. So really, we see that in the the first chapter of Ephesians very, very clearly. Um, we could continue on, but for the sake of time, we probably won't yeah, in this I think particular a, passage. I think a helpful other passage that would it would complement that is the very next chapter in the famous text, mm-hmm. Ephesians 2, really 1 through 10. But those two right. verses, 
by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's right. the gift of right. God. This is not your own this doing. This is not your own right. doing, right? And that, it's, it's difficult to get around that, but those are the kinds of passages that, like you said already, uh, Jason, you can uh, follow up with what Patrick has just laid out, but um, we're... We believe we're convictional about these because we think that this is what we find right there on the pages of Scripture teaching. Right, and it goes even further than the, the New Testament letter to the Ephesians. Absolutely. It goes all the way back to Genesis, and you see the, the uh, act of God's choosing out of his own purposes for his own pleasure. You see it with uh, Abel over Cain. Amen. You see it with Seth over any of the other sons of Adam and Eve. You see it with uh, Noah. You see it with Moses. You see it with Joseph. You see it with Isaac over Ishmael. You see it with Jacob over Esau. So you can trace the idea of God choosing all through the Scripture, going all the way back to Genesis. And those are just a few of it, the examples. So the fact that God chooses is well established in the pattern of God's working in humanity. So then when we start thinking that God chooses, well, on what basis does on he what, choose? That's a great question to ask. And it, the basis is for his own good pleasure. There, there, there's nothing within any of the men or the people that I just mentioned, whether it be Adam or Abraham or Moses or Noah or Seth, um, or whether it be uh, any of us. The, it's not within us. It is God's own purposes for his own pleasure um, and it's not wrong, because how could God be wrong? If he's perfectly holy, perfectly just, perfectly righteous, perfectly merciful, uh, perfectly wise, uh, without any taint of sin, how could what he would choose in his, to the accomplishment of his purposes be considered wrong? Yeah, and I mean, we'll address this in just a little while with the objections, but the question immediately comes up. You said, is God wrong? Well, I've heard the objection. Well, that makes God unjust. Why, why are some saved and why are not others saved? And we have to come back to another question that precedes that one. Is God free to do as he wills? And I think that question is a huge critical moment. If you answer that yes or no, a lot of other doctrines are going to, fall into place on either side of the table. Is God free, absolutely free, to choose what he wills? Well, and, so, and, and we will obviously dive into the objections later, but just so we don't forget to say this particular one, concerning the justice of God, yes, that really dives right back into the heart of the gospel and mm -hmm. what it is that Christ has done when it comes to the justice Amen. of God, right? Uh, God is perfectly just in saving and not saving. Um, for the very reason Jason said earlier, Sin must be punished. He either punishes it on us, we bear the punishment for our sins, or he places it on his son. Uh, so justice is not in the equation. God is perfectly just. He's just and the justifier through the work of Christ. Yeah, I think even in, in, at the end, on the last day, on the final day, we're going to be either standing in the righteousness of Adam, our, our natural father, or the second Adam, as we see in Romans chapter 5 and 1 Corinthians 15, uh, the second Adam, Christ himself. One of those two men's righteousness, you know, I'm using air quotes here for Adam's, uh, but we're represented by one of those two, um, our natural righteousness or our imputed righteousness. And that comes, you bring in soteriological categories, uh, 
doctrine of salvation categories there. So sovereignty so, really is rooted. It's in the character of God. Amen. You can't separate God from his sovereignty. That's so, what it means to be God. Uh, oh, right? absolutely. God it's, it's definitional sovereign. to be right. God, to be sovereign. Yes. And so that means that God has the power to do all things. And do we believe, for example, is God's power unlimited? Is God's power um, eternal? Is it autonomous? Mm-hmm. Is it um, complete, full power? Um, those are the kinds of questions that are answered in the sovereignty of God. Because if there, are, if if that is not true, if God doesn't have complete or autonomous power, um, or eternal power, or infinite power, then somebody else has power. Somebody else has has the upper hand. And who well, would that be? And a God who doesn't perfectly possess those things is not a God wor- worth worshiping, is yeah. what we must realize. Right, yeah. right. If he's 99.7% all-powerful, and there's something else that, you know... Right. He yields his power yield, to individuals. Yes, that's right, that's right. right. Those are questions that we have to wrestle with, for right. sure. So what we're saying then for the listener is that because God is all-powerful, because of who he is in his character, then he has sovereignly chosen those who would be saved from the foundation of the world. And that we are saying that in the eternity past, the Trinity made an agreement with one another that the Father would give a people to the Son. The Son would go and accomplish the salvation that would be necessary for those people. And then the Holy Spirit would apply that salvation in time to each of those individuals. Amen. And so that is what we're looking at um, when we're talking about the sovereignty of God and salvation. Yeah, and I wanted to bring out, highlight a um, something that's addressed right here in the distinctive. It's a few paragraphs in, talking about the foreknowledge of God. Uh, the First Peter chapter 1 uh, has been referenced, and... It says, uh, about halfway through the paragraph, it says, Certainly, uh, God, he, did not choose specific sinners to be saved because of something praiseworthy in them. God didn't see uh, individuals that would be meritorious or good people and save them because he said, Oh, this guy, this guy really is a good guy. Or, you know, down the corridors of time, he didn't foresee uh, merit on the person's part in order to justify him saving them. It's actually the very opposite. He chose them out of his free divine decree, uh, his free will, if you will, to use that word. Right. God well, has the only free will, in, right. in the, uh, a, a, autonomously free will right. in that sense. Aseity. Aseity. He is he, self-sufficient. That's right. That's right. Well, and the point you're making is made explicit, and we probably shouldn't take the time to read all of it, um, but in Romans chapter 9, um, with foreknowledge not being looked through the corridors of time and saw who was worthy of, uh, or who would choose him or anything like that. But it plainly says, um, and even referencing back to what you were saying earlier with Jacob and Esau, um, Paul here plainly says um, that, well, let me f- find it in my text here. Um, I think it's verse 11. Well, I'll just start in verse 10. It says, not only so, but when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, our forefather Isaac, Though they were not yet born, 
and had done nothing either good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls. She was told the other will ser- the older will serve the younger, as it is written, Jacob I loved and Esau I hated. Uh, so that makes it just plain, I mean plain English here, uh, the reality that God chooses not based upon merit, not based upon anything in us. Ephesians chapter 2 makes it very, very clear as well. Um, God saves because he purposes to save, and, and that's the reality of it. Yeah, we see that in Genesis chapter 1, 1, in the, how creation came about. God desired and purposed and spoke creation into being. Um, there was nothing, and then there was something, and it was because God uh, purposed that. And everything since then, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, sets up our doctrine of sovereignty of God. Uh, from the very first verse of the, the the Bible, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and right. so forth and so on. So, as a listener, um, as you're listening right now, uh, you're having maybe several different thoughts, and you're like, "I've never heard that," because more than likely you never have. If you're if you're new to our church, yes, yeah. If you're new to our church, um, you you've never heard it because it's been. Um, not taught in the last hundred years of the church in America. We're, we're talking about American Christianity. So it's not been taught. It's been more of this idea that you just mentioned, Patrick, about God looking down through the corridors of time and seeing who was going to choose him. And so that's the explanation that we have. That is not what the scripture teaches. So what we need to do then is recognize that there are listeners right now that are struggling with this. Maybe you're angry. Maybe you're frustrated. Or just confused. And just confused. You know, there's there's a lot of different emotions and feelings. And so realize that what we have said has been in brief. What we have said um, has been within the context of a podcast episode. Yeah. There's much more that we could talk about. And you have immediately, as the listener, some objections and so in the remainder of the time that we have, we need to get to a few of those objections. And again, it won't be comprehensive or exhaustive. And at the end of the episode, we'll give just a couple of um, encouragements and resources uh, that will help you further think through this. Yeah, thank you, Jason. I think that's a good way. We do need to wrap this uh, little conversation up. We have assumed some categories. We've said some words that maybe you're even unfamiliar with. And so those are obviously things that uh, we just don't have the time to, to cover in the scope of this. But Jason, I know you've got a resource in front of you, and uh, let's go through some of these, maybe three or four, if, depending on how, many, how much time we have or how quickly we can get through them. Right. Well, raise, the fir- raise some objections for us. Well, the first uh, objection that comes out of the lips of all of us, including myself, um, when I begin to think through this, that's not fair. Um, how can God be so unfair? Um, and so we begin then to try to fit this idea, this human idea of fairness into um, the person and the work of God. And um, that then just muddies the waters. Because how can God be unfair? There's never, we can't accuse God of being unfair. Patrick just Reference Romans chapter yes. 9 and 10. Yes. That would be one of the encouragements that we would have for the listener. Go to your scripture because that is the, where you get the answer to this. We're not, 
we're not dreaming this up and we're not creating this out of some book. We are getting this from the scripture. And so our first encouragement to you as you think through this, go to Romans chapter 10, uh, number chapter 9 and chapter 10. Go to Ephesians chapter 1, chapter I, 2. Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40. The book of Job, the whole thing. <laughs> yes, yes. And uh, Genesis, the book of Gen- I mean, there's, it's all over. Yeah. So, so God will always, if you want to put it in this sentence, God will always be fair because he cannot be otherwise. Right. Well, and it's important, too, for us to step back and think about what fair would be. Right. Uh, and the reality is what we always must re- realize is that we are a sinful people before a holy God. Um, and that we, all Christians, uh, to one degree Christians, or another, can agree with the gravity of Orthodox that Orthodox Christians will agree. Yes. We are sinful people before a holy yes. God. Yes, amen. And the reality is fair is all of us go to hell. Right. Um, if God chooses to have mercy on some, it is out of his benevolence. It is out of his being, uh, who he is. And it's perfectly fair for him to be just in punishing those who deserve yes. it. If you or I got what it. we deserve, it would not be communion with him. Because God is not doing what what we think is unfair or he's not being evil or mean, I put that in air quotes, to those who are left to themselves, who are left to their sin. He's not being unfair to them. That's what they deserve. Um, what, what he's doing is showing mercy to some who don't deserve it. And mercy is not something owed. It's not an obligation of God to show mercy to anyone. Right. Well, and toward the end of the podcast, um, I, w- I do want to say why this is good, why this is a good news and yes. a good doctrine. We're getting to that and for that'll, sure. And that'll tie into what we're saying yes. right now as right. well and help us think through that. Right. So there's, okay. an, there's another objection that we could go to um, that frequently is mentioned. Well, that makes man a robot. Then we become robots. If, if I don't have, if God chooses, then why do anything? Right. And so quickly, um, again, much more could be said about this. What we're talking about is the, the, the fact that God is sovereign, and we're, we've emphasized that. We've talked about that now in one episode and now here in this second episode. But also we recognize that the Scripture teaches clearly that man is responsible. And so man is, is responsible for his sin. He's held accountable by God for his sin. And man's um, guilt is credited to man, not to God. God holds those things within his sovereign uh, power, his sovereign love, holiness, mercy. He holds those things as true. Um, and we teach those things. We teach man's responsibility. We're emphasizing the sovereignty of God because that's our theme. But we teach man's responsible for his sin. Equally as apparent and clear in Scripture to sovereignty of God is the responsibility of man to uh, acknowledge, believe in, obey, follow, the list could go on, God. Yes. yes. Well, in John 6 is probably where you clearly, clearest, a clear, you, you see it the most clear. I don't know why I can't say that the word. Clearly, right the clearliest. <laughs> there it's we go. early. <laughs> uh, is where you see that the clearest in the scripture. Um, this is Jesus' own words, and I'll read just a few verses, uh, and I won't give context just for the sake of time, but, but listener, please go and, and see the context of what we're talking about. Uh, this is where Jesus is talking, um, says that he's the bread of life. 
And it says plainly in verse 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me. This is talking about those whom uh, are the bride of Christ, those whom he will save. All that the Father gives to me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. Um, And then verse 40, uh, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I'll raise him up on the last day. So the reality uh, is that those who would repent and those who would believe, those who are drawn to Christ, and uh, those who desire to come to Christ and the elect are one and the same thing. And that's the the tension and the balance we have to realize. It's not as though there will be some kicking and screaming and, and Christ saying, no, I didn't, I, we didn't choose you. You can't, you can't come to me. Um, and the, the passage carries on and uh, Jesus continues uh, in verse 63. It says, it is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life, but there are some of you who do not believe. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. Um, The one verse I skipped in there that I should have read was verse 44 where Jesus says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him or literally compels him, drags him is is the word there. But it's plain that in the scripture that yes, we are responsible to repent and believe and those who do are saved. Um, Those who desire to come to Christ are saved. Um, we preach because of this. We evangelize because of this. We just also recognize that the reason they do is because God has chosen to save them. Yeah, if I could just, as we wrap things up, did you have another objection, Jason? Or did you just, or did you no, I'll, I'll just mention those two. Sure, sure. And we'll go to the positive aspects of this. As yeah, we... yeah. One other, just really quickly, how would you guys respond? This is just off the top of my head. I know that I've seen this uh, objection raised. I haven't personally received it, but I've seen it out there. Um, I thought this is the objection. I thought God, uh, you know, made salvation for everyone possible through Jesus, and it's just up to our free will to uh, believe and accept Him. You know, that's that's where it kind of comes down. I know that's y- that's been worded different ways in the past, but how would you guys just really quickly, as pastors, um, re- respond to that, and then we can end the episode on a positive. On a positive note. Well, that is preached every Sunday. What you just said is preached every Sunday in hundreds of churches across the land that Jesus died to make it possible for anyone to come to saving faith and you choose him. Um, which, when you look at the scripture, it is, it is that idea is not taught in scripture. Now, I know, I know the intention and the thought behind that is good. There's nobody maliciously you know coming against scripture but that is true that um, we have um, made it man-centered we've we've become man-focused we be we use man methods man's methods to manipulate people and part of that is the idea that Jesus salvation uh, just only made it possible he didn't secure um, for um, the salvation for people. Yeah, and the, the doctrine of the atonement um, comes into play here. We won't get into that, but who did Jesus die for is a question that is a part of this conversation. Did he die for the possibility of anyone, or did he die for a particular people? Well, and what's underlying all of that, uh, we talked about earlier, is God just? 
Um, the reality is if Jesus died and bore the wrath of God for sins, and then man is left to choose or be punished also, you have a legitimate issue with the justice of God. Um, because in that case, in that scenario, if Jesus died to bear the sins of the whole world, and God punishes any one person for their sin, God is no longer just because he's received payment for sin He's already twice. received payment. Right. Or, that's you know, air the, quotes. That's the real issue with that. You, um, you impugn the character of God when you teach that. And, and certainly there's much more that could be said, but that is um, really problematic because of that reason. So man is responsible for the rejection of Christ, but God is sovereign. And you hold those two things in tension, don't you? I mean, those are clearly both taught in Scripture, and you you don't l make vain one to the uh, ex exclusion of the other, or you don't make vain one to the uh, acceptance of the other, right? Exactly. Uh, a verse is coming to mind um, really quickly, and we'll close with this. I, I can't quote it right it would take me too long to find it, but it's in First John that we love him because he first loved us. And that was a verse that I learned in vacation Bible school when I was probably five or six. And that is, a, that is a, an explicit teaching of the sovereignty of God that we do choose him because he chose us first. He makes it possible that we would respond to him in faith. Uh, Jesus he said it the to faith. the disciples yes. in John 15. Yes, it's yeah, everywhere. Didn't, you didn't choose me, I chose it's you. It's everywhere yeah. in Scripture. So, guys, let me, let's me let wrap this up. This has been a long and fruitful conversation. Listener, I hope it's been helpful for you. But I want to hear Jason and Patrick give just some pastoral um, from your heart. Why does this doctrine matter at Believer's Baptist Church in Emory, Texas? Why is this an important doctrine to Christians in the church? Well, um, it, it's important, kind of what we talked to uh, earlier, and maybe it was at the end of our last podcast, I don't remember now. Um, it's important because um, it is, <laughs> well, let me, let me back up a little bit. This is a good news doctrine, because apart from God saving us, we would have no hope. Uh, that is the reality behind all of it. Uh, we didn't get into Ephesians chapter 2, uh, but Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that we were dead in our trespasses and sins, talking to believers saying you were dead like the rest of mankind. That is the reality that we must understand as we're thinking through uh, this doctrine, is that apart from the work of the Holy Spirit, um, regenerating us, giving us the second birth of John chapter 3, um, apart from that we are without hope because we lie at the bottom of the ocean dead. There's no hope for life. It is God who goes and grabs us from the bottom of the ocean and pulls us ashore and breathes life in us. That's the reality, and that's why this is good news. Because if God didn't choose to save people, we would all, of our own volition or our own free will, go to hell. Merrily go to hell. Because Scripture is very clear, Ephesians 2, Romans 3, and other places, that man is ultimately bound to their nature. We have a will. Right? And our will is free in the sense that we are free to act upon what we desire. Yep. Scripture says we desire only evil continually. That is why the doctrine of election and God sovereignly choosing to save us and giving us a new heart 
it's because we had that heart of stone, right? It's because we wouldn't choose him. We wouldn't want him if he didn't first come and make us want him. If you, if you were given a triply extended lifespan and you could live to 300 years old or something, you still wouldn't. You still if you wouldn't. had enough time because, and enough convincing, right. you would just come to him on your because own. Because we are in Adam, sinful It's an incapability upon yeah. natural man, right? right? Right, and so all of this is, is good news. It's important to us because... Uh, first off, it, it's a right understanding of salvation that results in giving us humility, which Scripture commends, and it results in giving us a fuller understanding and greater appreciation for the salvation that we have. If we had any thought, any say, any work in which we contributed to our salvation, we'd have reason to praise ourselves. We would have reason to walk around with heads puffed up and looking down on people. The reality is we don't. Uh, but for the grace of God, we would be lost. And, and that's why it's so important. It, it's good for us. I think part of that, too, is that um, it gives us some comfort, some assurance that, for example, my children's salvation is not ultimately um, because I manipulate them into it or because I somehow shoehorn them into a, a saving faith. Um, I do what what the scripture commands for me to do. I am responsible to lead my family. I'm responsible to put my children in the environment of the gospel. Uh, I'm to live consistently before them. But ultimately, I can take comfort that I didn't manipulate them. I didn't try to um, finagle all the circumstances in their life so that they would be saved. It was totally of God. And now it gives me now the assurance that that salvation is a true and right salvation. Um, and I can be assured of that, and I can take comfort in that. Um, so I think that that's part of the um, good news that uh, we have with the... It can produce a restful sense in the Christian. Right. Um, because we are standing on the solid rock. You know, we can use that metaphor... Uh, we sing a hymn, the solid rock, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Well, that's a that's a metaphor not only for salvation, but the sovereignty of God, the surety of our, our God. Right. And also, I mean, just to bring it to, to another level, we also have the responsibility that we all have as believers to share the gospel. Amen. And so we go forth and we preach the gospel and we are involved in world missions and we are involved in local missions and the missionary cause is the heart of God. And so we, we wholeheartedly embrace that. But ultimately, I, I, it's not me that saves them. And so there's rest in that. I mean, I've used this illustration before. We could leave this room right now. We could go to downtown Emory, and I promise you, I can talk somebody into being saved. That's not you the could. Gospel. I would believe it. Yeah. you're good. You're convincing. <laughs> well, I, I, but and I don't mean that in a bragging way. I just mean that we could do that. No, you could. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But that, but if I'm depending on that to happen, then are these people really saved? Are we giving them false assurances, yeah. and ultimately, we're we're making them. We're heaping on them more condemnation mm. uh, rather than helping them to realize the reality of their condition before God. Yeah. So that's another way that it's good news. Yeah. But let me wrap up everything with saying... Yeah, we need to put put a nice bow tie on this right. here, Jason. Uh, the sovereignty of God in terms of not just salvation, but the sovereignty of God 
then gives you comfort. It gives you hope. It gives you peace. It gives you assurance. It gives you all of those things that you need when you had the miscarriage, mm. when um, you had the debilitating disease, when the loved one dies of COVID, when there's the horrendous natural uh, catastrophe that takes hundreds of lives. Um, the sovereignty of God helps you. Patrick said it in the last episode. It helps you to rest in all the circumstances. You said it as a quote, Patrick, from Spurgeon. The sovereignty of God is the pillow on which you rest your head. Yeah. Yes. Because if God is not sovereign, then we are left to Satan or humanity or other forces that are just causing all kinds of evil and chaos and death and destruction and hurt and pain and suffering. But if we can know that God is in the midst of all of that and is sovereignly over that, then I have hope. Yeah, it's how, something to how, put your faith in. Yeah, right? absolutely. How can you obey a command of God to do not be anxious if he is not sovereignly orchestrating and over all circumstances? How can you obey a God that's not sovereign if he says to you, don't be anxious about anything? Right, that's the, that's, that's the that's reality. A, that's a paradox. If anything was outside of God's control, we would have no reason to trust him. Yes. No yes. reason to trust him. And so the, the, the antidote to the anxious spirit of the Christian is dwelling and contemplating on the sovereignty of God. Uh, and it's not a quick fix, but there's so many pastoral counseling situations that this could come into play. I mean, this could be a many episodes, but uh, guys, it's been a joy to talk about this with you. I know that we're, um, we, we've got some time constraints personally, and we need to let you guys go. Uh, we hope this has been a helpful conversation listener. I do want to recommend a particular book and a resource that actually Jason was reading from uh, in our episode a little bit. Um, I came across this. It's a fairly new book. Uh, it's by Dr. Jeffrey D. Johnson, and it's published by Free Grace Press, and it has a foreword and endorsement by Joel Beakey, and it's called The Sovereignty of God, and it was written to from a pastor to a church member essentially that's that's the kind of the flavor of this book it's not a um, high level theological book uh, but it's written really from a pastor's heart to a family member or a congregation member um, why this doctrine is so important for us and so i would commend that book to you dr jeffrey d d johnson the Sovereignty of God. And Jason, talk to us a little bit. We have a few copies of this here, don't we? We do. This is a book that was written in 2022. It's very um, pastoral. It is not in any way hard to understand. I think that any sincere uh, believer who wants to try to understand this topic on the sovereignty of God would find help in this book. Um, it talks about how that God is uh, sovereign over nature, over nations. How God is sovereign over salvation, over sin, over suffering, uh, sovereign over his authority, so sovereign over his knowledge. So these are just some of the chapter titles in the book, but I recommend this book. We have 28 copies right here uh, at the church. All you have to do is contact us Come by the church free. office. We're, We're not asking, yeah, I'm not asking for money free. If you would be interested in reading this, we, we would love to give it away. Yes, and we'll also put some in our Faith at Home Resource Center so that um, anybody who 
would like to see it there, it will be available. Perfect. Well, that's it for today's episode. Jason, Patrick, thank you guys for giving your time uh, to talk with this, talk about this particular topic with me today for our new members series. Thank you, listener, once again for taking your time today to listen to the Asking for a Friend podcast, and we hope that it's been a blessing to you. Don't forget that you can like and share these podcasts through social media, through email, through text message, however you share media. Please do that. If you know of someone that may be benefited by this episode, specifically these topics that we've been discussing, sovereignty of God and salvation, pass these along. We hope they would be helpful resources. Don't forget that also you can submit us a question through our website, bbcemory.org, to our media tab. There's a place you can submit us a, something to address on a future podcast date. And as usual, until next time, grace and peace be with you all.